The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Beloved, we welcome you to this service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio congregation at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your decision and self-selection in forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today in the season of Advent, we light our second Advent candle. We light this candle in the season of peace, in the season of hope, in the season of joy, and in the season of love. You will note that our first hymn today, This is a Change, is found in the green hymnal. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with you in every one of my prayers for all of you, because you share in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with me, with the compassion of Christ Jesus. For this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the first day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in seeing the verses from the Canticle of Zechariah with the Antiphon. upon his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness for him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, together for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Glory to you, O Lord. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria, and Traconitus, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. 
the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The reading of today's Gospel causes four questions to arise. First, what is Luke about? Luke is writing toward the end of the first century remembering his sources, the Gospel of Mark, his primary source, and one we call Q, which he shares with Matthew, a secondary source. He's placing the Gospel narrative in the flow of human history. So we are reminded that this advent of John of Zechariah, son of Zechariah, comes in the 15th year of Tiberius, who followed Augustus Caesar, who himself died in the year 14 of the Common Era. It places us thus near the 29th year of our shared era. Luke, following Mark, causes John the Baptist to arrive to begin the Gospel. So John begins the Gospel, here named son of Zechariah, to remind you of Luke's account of his birth. Mary and Elizabeth with child together, Jesus and John in womb together. Luke places before us the central concern of his proclamation itself, that is his universal concern that all will be saved, all flesh shall see it, and the glory of the Lord shall shine about, and all will be saved. There's a universal quality to Luke embedded here. Second, as the voice of John the Baptist comes to us, we ask, the question arises naturally, just what is this voice? You know, for years, if you have listened to the beautiful music of Handel's Messiah, as we did here on Friday evening past, you'll recognize Luke's cadence. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Isn't that the way it's meant to be heard? So beautiful it is. And that, in fact, is the way that the text reads in the Greek, which uh, Luke has taken from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scripture, which predates him. But if we burrow just a little farther down, we come to Isaiah himself. Now, this is not first Isaiah or third, but... Second Isaiah, that beautiful marrow in the bone of the Scripture. Isaiah the second, beginning at the 40th chapter, written in those years of wilderness, in the Babylonian captivity, the most important date in the history of Israel, 587 BCE, in which time the people are taken in chains, those who survive to captivity in Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept, saying, as our tormentors said to us, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And then the sweet song of Isaiah, this mysterious figure of the suffering servant arises. So important 
to Christian theology later. But do you know, in the Hebrew Scripture, now listen to this cadence, the pronunciation of the verses is different, is meant to be different. In, the, in Luke, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, so Messiah, so we think. In, in Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Do you hear the difference? With which does the wilderness lie? With the voice or with the preparation? For Isaiah, good news, it lies with the preparation. A chaplain in a college chapel a generation ago found in his balcony a, a banner that read, God is other people. And he extemporized the sermon for the day, leaving aside his prepared text to say, I just want to make sure you pronounce it properly. God is other people. A voice of one crying, in the wilderness, prepare. Do you hear the difference? Isaiah, second Isaiah, the song of redemption for a people caught in captivity in the wilderness. Third, who is this John whose birth already Luke has celebrated, who the gospel writers begin, their, with, with which the gospel writers begin their gospel in each account? In the gospel of John, he seems to be something of a competitor presence to Jesus, but here he is the voice and the heart and the hand of the new age. His voice, the voice of the prophet. His heart, the voice of change in good news. His hand, the work of practice toward righteousness. The voice of one crying. Fourth, what does this text offer us, offer you? It offers us today in the figure of John, voice and heart and hand particularly for those who may be afoot in the wilderness, in the wilderness of loneliness, in the wilderness of that hunt after one job and before another, in the wilderness of preparation in study and completion of study and moving toward another term and another time. It's a season of wait in wilderness. John the Baptist and Luke, Luke in his gospel remind us of the importance of that voice, your voice, not your almost self, but your own most self. Parker Palmer said, let your life speak. And Frederick Buechner asks, where your deepest passion is and where it meets the world's great need, there you, you will find your calling. And Howard Thurman used to say, don't ask first what the world needs, ask first what, you, what brings you alive, and then go and do it for what the world really needs is people who are fully alive. Or even the more venerable poet Robert Frost had it right, his bifocal vision, yield who will to, the, to their separation. My object in living is to unite my vocation with my avocation as my two eyes make one in sight. Only where love and need are one and the work is play for mortal stakes. Is the deed ever really done for heaven and the future's sakes? Not your almost voice, your own most 
voice. You know, every sermon is an attempt to guide us toward a conversio, toward a change, a metanoia, a conversion, usually in small steps. Maybe there's a road to Damascus experience at one point or another, but come Sunday, particularly the day of Eucharist, this is an invitation. In a way, it's a sacramental altar call, a move for you, maybe to begin from outside inside, from the radio to the pew in our setting, or from cold to warmth. Uno Muno had it right, warmth, warmth, warmth. We are dying of cold, not of darkness. It is not the night that kills, but the frost. Not the night of misunderstanding, but the frost of alienation. Or the movement from forgetfulness to remembering, from a community of moving into a community that remembers what is salt and what is light and what is not. Or moving from childhood to adulthood in the faith. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But as I became an adult, I gave up childish ways. Or in this particular wilderness of our time, a kind of wilderness of entitlement and consumerism and materialism. It may be a movement from such, even from a, move, a movement from a form of indebtedness, the shackle of debt, into the freedom of independence and the grace to save and to give and to endow. Every Sunday there's a conversio, a movement, especially as we come together at the Lord's table. So, the gift of heart. And last but not least, the gift of hand. John the Baptist meeting us in work. You know, every Saturday, Saturday afternoon, there's a little duet going on here in the nave. Our organist, Justin Blackwell, is playing his notes and stopping and refining, and he sees me wandering the chancel, memorizing and preparing the sermon, and we look at one another, and one, another, one or the other will say, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. And we move on to the next. Practice matters, the means of grace, each and every day. These are moments of grace, a moment of silent prayer to begin the day. A type of discipline, the ancients called it fasting. We might call it exercise or diet or discipline. The reading of Scripture on Sunday and those things that make for health during the week, the gathering for community and preaching and, and prayer, and especially today, the Lord's Supper, a moment of thanksgiving and of presence and of remembrance all. What does the gospel offer us? Voice and heart and hand, so that these, through these few weeks of preparation, we might become ready to sing the Marsh Chapel hymn from Howard Thurman's pen. When the song of the angels is stilled and the star in the sky is gone and the kings and princes are home and the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to make peace among people, to make music in the heart. The voice of one 
crying. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. We welcome you here to Marsh Chapel this morning and a special welcome to Mr. Tim Leary from the uh, InterVarsity group here on campus reading our first lesson this morning and also to former Dean of Marsh Chapel, the Reverend Dr. Robert Cummings Neville, our celebrant at table this morning. We would invite you here in the pews to sign in on the red pads in, along the center aisle and pass them down so that others may sign in as well so that we can get to know you better and help you get to one in, know one another better throughout the week. We would also note that a full schedule of events is available on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, as well as the opportunity for online giving. A special note that this Friday evening, uh, December 11th at 6 p.m. right here in the nave will be our annual service of university lessons and carols. We hope you can join us, and the service will be repeated at 11 o'clock uh, the following Sunday, December 13th, right here in the nave. On 
Thursday evening at 6 p.m. we'll be having the Hanging of the Greens, getting the chapel Christmas tree and window decorations set up, and also an Advent workshop downstairs following that. We hope you can join us at 6 p.m. on Thursday. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
for the arrival of your Son, we gather together to be pure and blameless, so that our harvest may indeed be a righteous one. Bless these gifts, we pray. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations. You scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. 
You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things, and the rich you send empty away. Your own Son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel, your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was ended, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ shall come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Compassionate God, we pray on this World AIDS Sunday with gratitude for your love that affirms the dignity and worth of each and every person. We give thanks that you empower and encourage us in the struggle to stop HIV. Bless us with the courage and wisdom to care and support for all those living with and affected by HIV and AIDS in our country and throughout the world. We remember that all of us are created in your image. As one body in Christ, we remember that we are all affected by this disease. May the vision of your beloved community deepen our commitment to strengthen human rights, increase the capacity of our HIV prevention efforts, and guide our actions to work with others to address injustices and vigorously advance equality. We pray for all those living with and affected by HIV and AIDS, our families, friends, partners, caregivers, and each one of us. We pray especially for the millions of people who have died in the course of this pandemic and the families and loved ones they have left behind. Hear our prayers, O oh God. On World AIDS Sunday and every day, send your healing spirit, heal the broken places, restore your people, and give us your peace. Bestow your wisdom and courage on every setting of your church, on every religious community, on all the people, leaders and nations of the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
Now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory.
us say together, Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. to a word of benediction, we pause to give thanks for those who have been blessings to us. Their names are printed on the back of your bulletin, our ministry associates, some 12 of them, and we are grateful for their gifts of ministry in this season. Multiple and manifold these gifts have been. We are thankful for the Thanksgiving feast fed to over a hundred on Thanksgiving Day. We are thankful for the songs of love and compassion lifted on the plaza last Monday. We're thankful for the groups of interest and denomination represented here and in our print material. We're grateful for the birth of the Interfaith Council, for ministry at the medical campus, and for each and every pastoral interaction provided by these dozen servants in our midst. Six words, thank you, thank you, thank you. A word of benediction. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance grew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. Amen. <laughs>